if you're looking way down the road, it's okay to casually talk about being a veterinarian or an accountant. But a lot of times when you think about if your child is really going to develop something, a lot of it, the success depends on merging things from different fields. So by the time they're done, sometimes it's hard to put a label on it because they're no longer fit in that neat category. And that's usually where the opportunities are. Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and relationship with teens and their parents. I'm Hudson. And I'm Rachel. And on today's show, we're going to be talking with the husband and wife team, Jonathan and Renee Harris. The Harrises have over 24 years of experience educating their nine children at home while running an online handcrafted skincare business. When their eldest son turned 12, it became very clear to them that they did not want their children to just fill up buckets of knowledge for each school grade. They experimented with making their son's traditional study materials support the development of a marketable talent that made sense to his strengths, abilities, and unique drive. By the time he graduated from high school, he already had his own aerial drone business and was able to fully support himself financially. Jonathan and Renee have since graduated four more of their children to create their own unique paths through careful guidance of talent development. They now teach parents how to identify and develop their child's skill set and talents to create something marketable and remarkable so that by the time they leave the home, they have a profitable path. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Hi, thank you for having us. Um, Did you ever see yourself where you are now? Did you want to be business owners? Um, No, (laughs) not that we didn't want to be business owners. We didn't quite see ourselves doing what we're doing now. Yeah, we didn't think about that. And we thought about that uh, after... I had been in the workforce for a while as an employee and realized that though it was putting food on the table and we were grateful for that and my company that I worked for was good, it was also my career was coming to an end uh, because of the way the market was changing and also that I wanted more freedom for my own children as they grew up. So we decided that we wanted to become more in control of our business life and so we started our own little business because it also gave us the freedom to stay where we wanted to live if not i would have had to move to continue with the career i was in would have had to move a lot and we didn't want to do that anymore and that helped us also push our own children to go into a more independent path for their careers and uh, and to back up a teeny bit before that probably about um, six months to a year before we made the switch to becoming online business owners completely. Uh, I was just doing a little side thing at a farmer's market so that I can have my two older boys who were um, 10 and eight at the time join me. And um, it was just something that we, I was already making at home and there was a farmer's market that came to town. They were looking for vendors and I just thought, Oh, this is a good educational experience, you know, opportunity for them. So we had already started that. Um, before we switched over completely. And um, by starting that, we realized this is great for the kids. And this is great, a really neat opportunity for the whole family to get involved in. So then once we started, um, when Jonathan was able to leave his career and then and go, you know, do this full time, that was the pivot for us. What did you do, Jonathan? 
Uh, I was in the tech industry and I was a project manager for one of the, the big tech companies. But you had no idea this was going to take off your business, take, would be able to take off and support all of you. Well, that was our intention, though, because um, that so we threw ourselves into it. So it wasn't really by accident. I mean, we Renee was experimenting just on the side to bring in a little extra income, partly to as a teaching uh, tool for our kids. So uh, we weren't anti-business owners. We just, you know, we hadn't really thought of that. But then we realized that we needed to go down a different road uh, or not. Or if not, we would be moving and living in places that we didn't really want to, to live in in order to stay with my career. Yeah, because he was able to work from home. And there was a little, I think there was a little bit of a mindset switch when we were doing the farmer's market and thought, oh, wouldn't it be neat if we could do this? time and have it but we didn't quite see that that could happen until and then we did take it online so there was a little bit of a switch between doing the farmers market Jonathan still was working at his job then we moved it online and then um, we made the switch because that was where we had to decide are we going to go all out and make this a full-time family income for us so it was hard it was a lot of work in the beginning for sure but um we made that decision because it was going to be either that or we would have to move and we really like the place that we live so we'd have to move to a bigger city uh, where there's more you know the bay area is three hours south of us we figured we'd have to go from our little tiny community into a big city and we didn't really want to do that and it's expensive um, so we decided that we were going to figure out a way to make it work and it was just a whole educational process to to make it happen but we did that and that was in 2009. Yeah that's cool yeah there's something about having a family owned business or a farm or working on a big project with your kids that does something like like there's so many unintended benefits mm -hmm. that you get from that yeah I remember some of the stuff we've done with our kids we were we would be like oh, oh man I hope we're not gonna they're not gonna need therapy after this yeah. um, <laughs> I hope we're not ruining them but in the end it was like wow that, that really really worked out good you know yeah and especially I think I think probably at the time we thought oh it would be great if this could happen but we figured it would be years before we can actually make a living online and since we were sort of like forced into like no we need to make a decision now then we decided to just jump in and do it and figure it out so it's it's a little bit of that pressure when you're when you're forced into it but the kids were good about it i mean that obviously they were young so they didn't really know anything different anyways but they did see us working hard and then that was an opportunity for us to bring them in as much as we could so that they could participate and help out and they were i mean, all even today they're still a big help because they have their own unique um, talents and interests that they can come and you know bring into the business too so how do you manage all of this? Kids, multiple businesses, homeschooling? <laughs> that, I know you're a project well, manager. That probably helps. <laughs> actually, yeah. I don't yeah, know if you thought I of suppose. that way, but I, I, think think it did. I think it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at the time, we the, 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 the kids that are now in the home that help us in some way. I mean, they're not. We, my wife and I, we, we really work the business. But the kids do jump in and put on you know when we package stuff and put stickers on they do various little things like this where they make cash um, from it but the older ones of course do not work in our business they they live on their own they have their own businesses so at the time um, we always had two or three kids that were more or less helping because of their age and the other ones younger ones were too young to 
to do anything um, significant. So it was more of a matter like when our sales come in, usually they come in um, all at once. Seasonally. Seasonally. So they don't, it's not like it's evened out through the year. So when it comes in in the fall, especially for our business, it's the fall, it's usually all hands on deck. Well, we've got a big order to put out. And so we'll grab maybe one person's cooking in the kitchen while everybody else is putting stickers on and packaging and, and uh, uh, Renee's in there um, checking, checking the orders and I'm making the products. So, and then other times it's a lot more laid back as far as the kids are concerned and their involvement. And they could do more schoolwork. Yeah, and they could do more schoolwork. So it ebbs and flows. It's not like an even thing every day. It just depends whenever the orders come in, which is part of the learning process because that's often how a business works. You wait for those sales um, to come in and then... Um, but you're doing other things. Yeah, you're doing other things in between. So it's like just-in-time inventory, is that what you do? Yes, <laughs> that's a good way to put that. Yeah, and at the same time, because we homeschool, the kids, I mean, we have 100, probably over 500 or 600 um, Audible books because <laughs> we found there's so, mon so many books they can listen to while they're doing work for us if it's just a lot of, you know, more physical type things. And so, especially at Christmas time when we're doing a lot of order fulfillment, the kids are listening to a lot of Audible books. What's their favorite? Their favorite? What series do you think they like? Well, it depends, it depends on the, the kid. age. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter right now is, she loves um, the cow, what is it? Freddy, wait, not Freddy the Pig, but Hank the Cow Dog. Hank the yeah. Cow Dog. First. She's going through all of Hank those. Hank the Cow Dog. Yeah, yeah. she is did all the Anne of Green Gables. Our son is into all the Star Wars series and different Audible books. We have one kid that was, he absorbed all the business books and he still, he lives in, Alabama now, but he would still buy on our account just all kinds of different business books, which benefits all of us. In fact, all the our some of our older kids that are still using Audible, um, we all share the books, so it makes it really nice. Big library, <laughs> business right off. Yeah, um, exactly. That's cool. So, so how did this all become like? How did this become something where you're like, oh, we can help other families with this? Um, was it just like people were coming to you and asking you or? Well, I think what I, the biggest change was that I, you know, up until the time of us starting the farmer's market business part, I was a stay at home mom and I did, you know, everything from home and homeschool the kids. And Jonathan, who was also home, was doing his work from home. So he was in his office. When we decided to launch this, that was a big change in our roles and figuring out who does what, because Jonathan was able to see that, you know what, I've been, you know, especially because when you go through college and we both came into our marriage with a lot of school debt that we had to pay off. And I was a high school teacher in the past and I wasn't really interested in doing that afterwards. I did it for a little while, but um, so, so a lot of mindset switch at that point when we decided well, if we do this as a family business, who does what? <laughs> so um, Jonathan was saying, you know, I don't want my boys to just fill up buckets of knowledge, get their degree and be in a, a job they don't like because they didn't think ahead or um, and plan that out. So when he started noticing that, like, our kids have a lot of motivation and um, uh, they can do things at the age of 12 that if you feed them right and allow them the time and space to develop those different talents and interests, then they can become super helpful. 
And um, they, so it became something where we decided let's let's do this with with each of the kids. And then once our oldest, especially when he started to turn 16, he was already making money and doing things that a lot of kids don't even have when they're 18 or even when they graduate from college. But it was not related to our business though. No, yeah, they all pursue their own interests and we're there to kind of coach them along. But each of our kids, other people would say, oh, you're, you know, Jonathan Jr. is so well, you know, he's so good at this. And then you have a daughter that is so good at art and your son is such a good coder. Like they weren't known necessarily. That was kind of their identity was the type of interest and talent that they developed. And they were praised for that. And and people would come and pay them to do different jobs and stuff like that for them. So then that's when it was all of a sudden we thought this is what kids should do. They should get really good at something starting sooner and then people want to know more about that. And that's how we decided, let's make that into something that we can share with parents because they would come and ask us. And especially with homeschooling, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fear. I mean, parents are afraid they're going to fail their kids or not do it right. So everybody has to figure that out. And there's so many different paths you can take. For us, this one was the one that made the most sense. And because we were starting to have success with it after the first and then the second and then the third and fourth, we felt like this is something that can be shared. And especially now with the past two years of all kinds of online learning, parents are really waking up to it and wanting to know more about how kids can start a talent and um, just how they can have an identity with that. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're talking about talent here, we don't necessarily mean an artistic or musical talent. We mean that in the grown up adult sense of the word, like you say, somebody's a talented coder and a talented accountant. So somebody who exhibits a high degree of professionalism and, and, you know, more than just doing your job. So the way with our first one, his, his interest is like the most visual, visually easy to explain. So I'll give that one as an example. So when he was around uh, 12, he got a hand-me-down camera from an aunt that uh, was upgrading her digital camera. And at that point in time, the cameras, I mean, were getting more popular, but not nowhere near as they were now. And we had product shots that we needed to take of our stuff. And we were frustrated a little bit with our own shots because the the lighting wasn't always the best. Uh, the shadows weren't always the best. And we knew that it was just one of those thousands of little details we needed to take care of. And so we, our son was just playing around with the camera. It had a little bit of video feed on it. And uh, he was having a good time with it and taking pictures of his uh, the neighborhood gang having fun and kids looking like as if they were falling off of a car but they weren't you know just fun stuff like that and then i got to thinking hey you know what son that's that looks like fun but how about you try something uh, productive and helpful for us how about you learn how to take some product shots with that camera of, of our products because we could use that and he said okay I'll, i'm gonna do this we might have sweetened the deal with a little bit of cash i forget now exactly and he went to the local camera shop um, where they sold uh, lighting and stuff. And he knew that already that the lighting that we had was not good. And he got some relatively inexpensive lighting for product shots. And the camera guy said, well, let me give you a lesson on how to use it. So he got a little tutorial right there on the spot on how to how to do uh, product shots. And uh, so he started doing product shots for us, you know, very low key. And uh, that was already an upgrade for us. So we started using that on our website. And then... Uh, from there, um, somebody gave him, um, uh, so he started learning to bring value to other people with his camera, which means it started with us and in, in our family's business. So that's a principle that we use. We're not trying to clone our kids to be like us. We're not trying to make our kids 
run the same kind of business, but rather we're using our business where other people could use their family or their, their network of people as an opportunity for their child to start bringing value to people with maybe an interest or a little skill that they have. And then once they, they start getting that value out there, people will either give them something in exchange or even a little bit of cash. And so that hunger starts start wanting to get better. Then somebody gave them a, an old drone that they were discarding. Again, the drones were just coming in on the market for commercial use as they are now. And at that time, um, gimbals, when you put a camera on it, were pretty rare where it stabilizes the camera. So I think he Velcroed it to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the little drone and he started taking the aerial shots. And then he realized, hey, I could take um, uh, an aerial shot of a, a rental house um, uh, that somebody was going to, um, that was going on the market. And he, he and I think we might've encouraged him. So he, he's, he told him, I can give you some video shot of the aerial view of this rental. And they liked it. He probably got a token amount of money. Then he realized, oh, there could be money. So he started going down that road. And and then eventually he realized that uh, rentals don't pay very much money. And then luxury homes pay more. And uh, then he got himself a gimbal. Then he started talking to people online who were doing, making, doing this professionally. And from there he went on and on and on until eventually um, he was making uh, uh, quite a bit of money off of this. And then he... Uh, went as a contractor for uh, a big company. They were doing surveys of cell towers for upgrades to 5G, and they were also doing power lines. And he got in the field, and he started working with teams of people. And from there, he discovered that he was quite good at managing people. So now, and in fact, that's what he does now, and I won't give the name of the company, but he manages people my age, basically, and he's only 24, and he's very comfortable. So as he went further and further up the chain and deeper and deeper into his his interest it started morphing into something very different than what he started off with so he's still connected to his original skill set but that's not really what he does on a day-to-day -day basis he's he knows how to manage people who uh, use this kind of skill set so that's kind of what we do in the family is that we help each child sort of cultivate an interest that might be just a passing interest, it might even disappear. But we ask the question, how can you bring value to someone else using this skill set? So we talk about it and we look for those first opportunities. It might be $10, it might be an exchange for a cake. And then, so we train our kids to get confirmation from other people outside the family that what they are doing is meaningful and valuable. And that is what gives kids, young uh, teens, enormous confidence and self-motivation to want to interact more with people and find out how they can go to the next level. Yeah, we, oh, Hudson has an experience where uh, when he was about 11, he wanted to get into small engine repair and nobody in our family knew anything about small engine repair so we were like sure you just have to figure it out for yourself right hudson yeah so what'd you do i just youtubed it yeah for for a while there he had a little small engine repair business that everybody would call him up and say hey you want this lawnmower yeah yeah we have guys around here you know grown men that do that they make money especially lawnmowers they need them a lot out here but yeah that's great yeah i think that you know you're talking about your son uh, managing people that are a lot older than him. I don't think that people 
have as much a problem with that as we would think they would, as long as you know what you're doing. Yeah, and I think a lot of times because the kids come across so confident, they you our kids are usually um, people think they're older than they really are. <laughs> so my son that moved out to um, Nashville first Nashville and then Alabama. He was 18 and he went straight into um, he's self-employed and worked for guys much older than, for, than them as kind of doing some project management type work. And, you know, the first second question they ask is, oh, are you married? <laughs> he's like always thrown <laughs> off by that. But they think they're older because they kind of come across confidently. And same thing with my oldest son, too, when he's, he's the one who's managing older people. It's the same thing. They just come across that way because they know their stuff. And um, yeah, I yeah the confidence is high. And I, I yeah. will say that that's the one thing that our children, we've encouraged each of our children to be a lot more um a lot more riskier than than renee and i were when we were their age and we real i mean now we have a lot so if, if somebody were to say today are we doing exactly what our kids are doing are they copying us only to a certain extent in the sense that our kids are taking far bigger risk but of course it's not risky because they've already have so many little things in place that they can take advantage of that so we we have of course have kids at home there's a lot of things like we can't move uh you know with a bunch of roommates <laughs> but they yeah. could i mean that's the worst case scenario so when i look back at our own time in our early married life or even right out of college you know you're waiting by the phone metaphorically speaking for the employer to discover you or promote you and that is just not realistic anymore or maybe it never was um so we wanted our kids like no learn how to go out there and ask for the business take the risks go places you need to go to and and develop that uh, persona in order to pursue uh, a, a talent. And of course, as we're doing this, right, we're not forcing um, things to happen. It's not like saying, okay, you really, we want you to become a drone operator. That's not how it works. What it is, we look for something that makes sense. We know our children. So we're having conversations with them. And some are more extrovert than others. Some are, you know, more physical than others. And a lot, a lot of times, again, it's like, well, how can you bring value to people? And in that conversation that we have, you, you discover or they discover themselves what they're comfortable with. And maybe sometimes they do want to stretch themselves like they never thought of it. But in order to get to that next level that they want to, they're willing to take that risk. You know, it might be and what I mean by risk is that they might be willing to go knock on the door, for example, and ask for the business because they really want to do that. And the reason why they really want to do that is because they're confident they've already done it so many times they know what they're talking about so it's something that you develop gradually so that confidence builds and builds and builds until it just exudes um, just out of their pores for whatever interest that they have and we constantly pivot so we never push for a career name uh, in fact here's a little tip if you're looking way down the road it's okay to casually talk about being a veterinarian or an accountant but a lot of times when you think about if your child is really going to develop something, a lot of it, the success depends on merging things from different fields. So by the time they're done, sometimes it's hard to put a label on it because they're no longer fit in that neat category. And that's usually where the opportunities are. Because if you have a neat category, a lot of times those fields are super saturated and it's difficult to, to break into it. How do most kids decide their career path? You mean other kids or how, yeah, or kids in who, general? I think in general, uh, they don't. They just uh, <laughs> they when they're in school, they see where they have the best grades, 
and then eventually to say, well, since I, I got a good grade in math, then that means I want to go to the next level of math. And then since they're doing that really well, then that means that, oh, I must get a degree in math. But they don't yeah. think in terms of career. So they never really sit down and and think about that. They let the system dictate. So that's what I talk about, the bu knowledge buckets, right? So you're going to have right. so many hours of history, so many hours of math, so many hours of whatever it is. And as far as the knowledge is concerned, it's fine, but it doesn't necessarily serve uh, the the young person at all. So we flip it around and we make the curriculum be the slave to the child. So we will go and find curriculum if we need to, if we think it's going to accelerate them and speed them along to their goals. I would actually love to hear from you, Hudson, because it's been a long time since I was in high school. I remember back then it was definitely the guidance counselor would give you a test of what your interests and kind of a little bit skill sets and then you decide, okay, that's then they tell you, well, you could be this, you could be that and then you kind of decide and then you go down that path. So what what's it been like for you? What do you think? We don't have like a guidance counselor or anything. <laughs> I think, you know, I think, I don't, well, my kids go to a little school, but I don't think that most kids even, I, I think a lot of them go off to college and they have no clue what they want to do. Yeah. And so their way of figuring it out is I'm just going to take different classes and maybe that'll help me, which to me, that is a very expensive way to figure right. that out. I wondered about um, that just because, yeah, that seems to be the norm now, even more now, maybe than in the past. Yeah, we, we, I had my kids go to career coach because I'm like, it is worth it to me for them to be able to help like they do like the personality test the myers-briggs mm -hmm. and do all this just to see what they're really good at um i think that you know most older teenagers today they just don't have enough experience trying different things so it's harder for them to figure out their direction they don't yeah. they, they don't it's very their focus is so narrow like school society is both basically just sports and academics right yeah yeah and I'm not against sports, my kids play sports, but you know, I talk to them a lot about how this is just something you're, you're really only gonna do this for a couple years. It's mostly just for fun and exercise and learning how to work as a team. It's not, you know, we don't need to pour too much into this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the hard part because the experiences can come once you're in college because you're exposed to a lot more people you you have to suddenly think for yourself, but like you said, it's an expensive way to go too. Well, the runway is very short then yeah. because you're under pressure to to put food on the table. So it's it's not that you can't find something. It's just more like you know like what I did. I I I got out of college and and anyways my degree didn't matter, and so of course then you look around. It's like okay now I need to make a living, and I got into the tech field which I had zero interest in. And I mean I developed an interest in it. It's not like I I disliked it but it wasn't my choice but the point is if i had taken time in my teens to really uh, gradually develop my interest into something that brought value to people around me by the time i would have gone to college even if i went to college i would have already had something launched but there there's a complete disconnect between the formal education and then eventually the 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 field i got into so the advantage of starting sooner to test the not even just test the field because testing makes it sound like it's a oh okay um, do i want to become a veterinarian i'm going to go and i'm going to go and intern at the local veterinarian place which is one way to do that but there you're going for a straightforward 
very categorized um, employment. Whereas if you say, okay, I have an interest in animals, and then you break it down, okay, what, what part of it am I interested in? Is, am I interested in training? Am I interested in, in the health aspect of it? So once you start asking those questions, you may find as you're testing and, and you're exploring and deciding, you know what, I'm a bossy kind of person and I like to train animals. And I found out that people really want to pay, uh, excuse me, pay, let's say for um, how to crate an animal in my local place. So I, so I get 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks. And I say, you know what, I like this even more. I'm gonna now start videotaping myself and maybe coming with online video examples. So that's the way, or maybe you decide, you know what, I don't like this at all. What I really like is the health part, and I really want to go more down the medical route with animals. But those are those things that as you're attempting to find how you can bring value to people, you're actually kind of pushing your personal boundaries as a young person to see, you know what, this is hard, but I love it. So I'm going to add one more little skill. I'm going to go online. Like you were saying, Hudson, you can go and find a YouTube video on how to do something very precise. And when you're at that age, you have the luxury, you have a head, you have a a roof over your head, you've got food on the table, and you can start testing those boundaries. And if people don't pay you or they don't want you to come, then you say, okay, you know what, I need to pivot a little bit and tell people say, yes, I want you to come and help me. Yeah, and we found that, that people people love to help teenagers. Yes, yes like they, they do. would be way more um, gracious and, <laughs> you know, and like, yeah, do this, you know, I'll pay you and, and you know, like and they just want to help. The experts too, we found with our kids, our kids have, because they follow different people on YouTube or in um, different influencers and so on. Online and forums Online too. forums and, and they have a way to get straight to the front of these experts for help that we, Jonathan and I don't have because yeah. they're coming in with their Instagram accounts showing this portfolio of studying and doing the same, like one of our sons is in the podcast editing and, and um, uh, video editing. And so he just follows these, you know, practically worships these guys. And if he goes to them and says, hey, um, I love what you're doing. I love, how did you do this one, you know, certain technique? And then the person can look at our son's account and like, oh, this kid is serious. They will talk to that guy. You know, they'll talk to our son. Even though, yeah. you know, he's only 16, they will talk to him. Whereas if, if I or Jonathan were really into it and were trying to get their attention, well, they were like, they would probably feel like, oh, okay, you're just going to go to the next person or you're not willing to pay me or whatever. But they'll give free advice to kids when they know, when they see that this they kid have to is show passionate. evidence. They have to yeah. show evidence that they're serious. And it could be, it could be small, but they see that it's genuine. And so, and by the way, that's part of the process too, is that they get used to putting, um, putting their identity forward through the work that they do. So that's a gradual process. I would say probably you too, honey, mm -hmm. that we're probably more, way more self-conscious at that age because yeah. our academic and our schooling is so separate from what we want to do that you're not used to putting yourself out there unless it's in a very, you know, sterile classroom environment. So when you're in, you know, you're writing history, you have to write about George Washington's wooden teeth. And you're thinking, right. that's not what I want to write about. And maybe you're into technology and you say, I want to talk about how they mined uh, metal to make swords during George Washington's day, not about his teeth, right? So you're, you're, those are two separate things, but you're not you're used to putting yourself out there based on what you're, you are initiating. 
And so that, that's a huge gap. And as those years go on and on where you don't do that, you, people feel very disconnected. And sometimes, especially teenagers, can feel extremely restless. I think people react to it differently. Some, some kids become more depressed, I think, because they're like a caged dog. <laughs> they're sort of gnawing on their own bones. They're, they're you know, maybe stuck in front of the video games. They don't, they're not really doing anything that makes sense to them uh, long term, except to fill up all these buckets of knowledge that never seem to stop. So those buckets of knowledge can have meaning if they're serving the child's goals. But if there's no goals, if there's no attempt to produce value, then it just seems to not make much progress. Have you ever had a kid who you couldn't help find their passion? Yes, plenty. Not in our family? <laughs> no, well, in general. Not in our family. Each one of them does. <laughs> in general, it's because um, they're usually overwhelmed by um, standard activities. So if they fill up every evening um, and every there's day, no there's left. no time left to explore anything. So uh. they have to. So if they're not willing to not be in sports every evening, and in school every day, then there's no room to do anything. So you have to make room for um, uh, for that opportunity. There are times too that kids will have so many interests that they can't narrow it down, which is really where we help out with because we have seen a lot of that where kids are just one minute they're into like rocks and archaeology, the next minute they're into music, and there's so you know you have a lot of interest so that's where we can come in and help and it really helps a lot if they start young enough the other kind of kid that wants our help sometimes but it's hard is when they're 18. <laughs> they're already 18 so that now they have to panic figure sets out in. yeah panic sets yeah. in and now they want to start something like uh you're 18 and you want to live on your own and, and you want to figure those, out your direction yeah. That's going to be really hard. You're going to have to do those double shifts at, at, the, yeah. at the fast food place while you're going to school. Because you're still trying to make money. And so a lot of people will say, well, I'll just, I will go work at In-N-Out. Well, that's what we have here. But anyway, I'll work at McDonald's. And if you had started earlier before you could even drive a car, you actually can get really good at things that by the time you have a driver's license, you can actually have a job that's related to what you're interested in. So I think it has to do with, yeah, not enough time or they're just too stretched for time, or um, sometimes it's not enough support from the parents because there's so many expectations on the grade and the school, uh, act, you know, whatever the expectations and requirements are with school. So that's that's another way that it's harder, but especially, especially when they come at 18 and say, oh, I should have started this sooner, but I didn't, so what should I do? <laughs> We're kind yeah. of like, this is going to be hard. You'll have, we'll have to yeah, talk about Yeah, so <laughs> we have had that because they'll see sometimes like our older kids doing something interesting. And we used the example earlier of our firstborn who made a living doing drones. It is difficult to make that living unless you develop a deep um, skill set because it's not just like flying a drone. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Uh, a lot of editing behind the scenes, a lot of knowing when to show up, a lot of advertising etc etc there's there's just a, a complex skill set that emerges from that so by the time he was 18 he he was making as much money as he would by working at a fast food place but if you don't have that skill set it's either work at a fast food place or don't eat at all so usually even if they're thinking oh that's really what i want to do it's too late mm. most of the time i mean eventually they can do it but it becomes a lot more difficult especially if you uh have a wife and kids right exactly <laughs> yes. that's what we tell our kids it's like if you can do this 
when you're like 17, our second born was really into bladesmithing and he wanted to go to a conference that was um, in Alabama, I think, uh, across the states. Anyway, he so we we had to make a decision. Do we let him go? He's 16, maybe he's only 16 years old. I don't remember. Yeah, maybe he was 16. <laughs> but you have to make those decisions on, well, he can he go and, and just do it? And we decided, yeah, that's important. So he can. And if that means that he's just sleeping on you know, someone's couch that's a friend of ours from our college days or something, that's totally fine. Whereas if if Jonathan were to decide, I'm going to develop this talent and I want to go to this conference, but I don't have enough money for a hotel. And oh, by the way, I'm taking my whole family that, you know, if, if you we're to crash on some, yeah. somebody's couch at, you know, 55 is a little bit different. So <laughs> as kids, you can get away with it. People will feed you. They will. In fact, with my son, I had to I had arranged an Airbnb for him get permission um, from the person that was staying there that hosted the house and um, really nice older gentleman. And he even took him to the train station because he had to leave at like four in the morning. It was all very good and safe. Had, you know, we checked it all out ahead of time, but I had to rely on somebody else to be able to drive him to take because he didn't have his license. Yeah. But people are a lot more willing to do that. But in this, in that example, that was a professional, that was a conference for professional people in the trade. I'm sure he was the youngest person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like he, it was not like a a consumption place for kids. It was actually a a place for adults or professional, but he was already advanced enough that he knew people there from the professional forums. Oh, and not only that, when they know you're a kid and you don't have a job, they send you stuff. So he, our bladesmith guy, he had all kinds of medals shipped to him from these other bladesmiths that were so impressed that he was starting this young that they wanted to share what they had on and their stuff with him, which was great. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Hudson got a, Hudson got a phone call. He took a small engine repair class at the junior college when he was 11. Wow. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and they was like... 50 year olds and older in that yeah, class. Him was... and all the senior citizens. And, um, I and bet they loved like, it though. I bet they the loved next year, there. the next year, the school is calling him. Hudson, we need one, we need more people for this class. Otherwise, we have to cancel it. Will you please come take the advance? <laughs> class? That is awesome. You see that they're reacting. Yeah. They're reacting to his, 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 uh, uh, commitment. It's not just that he's interested, he's actually taking action to do something about it. And that's the, it's acting on it that creates so much confidence in a young person then to go to the next level. Because when you act and you find out that you don't know a particular thing that you thought you did, or maybe you, you then you have an answer. It's like, oh, here's my actual problem. It's this very specific thing. Because a lot of times it's very abstract. And so if you don't engage, there's like an anxiety. Well, I someday I want to become a dancer. Or someday I want to become, you know, but but they never get started because there's a, this anxiety, of probably a failing, and mm. in a way they're correct. There is there will be some failure, but by taking small action, you actually bump into something and say, oh, I don't really know how to, you know, in the beginning to even take it apart properly because maybe there's some hidden screws. Well, then there you go. You know, you're you're learning from someone and say, I don't understand because of the hidden screws, and then they show you where they are. Now you know the answer. So that there's always an answer typically to something as long as you get started and the answers are matched to the problem that you're encountering. So acting gets you to that solution much faster rather than just dreaming about it. Yeah. Yeah, you just need to take action because you're not going to go where you think you're going to go. So it doesn't even really matter. (laughs) Uh, The the important thing is that you just take the step. 
And I, I, I would suspect, Hudson, that as you start dabbling into the repair for people, that there are certain type of motors or certain type of equipment that people are willing to pay more money for than others. And so as you're doing that, you might start specializing, I'm suspecting here, certain type of, of uh, uh, tools that are more suited to lawnmowers versus uh, weed, um, you know, leaf blowers versus who knows what else is out there, right? And so you're going to start pivoting gradually if you're going to get people saying, I really need help with this. And so you'll start getting feedback from the marketplace as to where you're needed. And then from there, you can go to the next level, try to become more efficient, charge more money, etc. Yeah. So the Harrises have agreed to do something special for us. We're going to record another podcast and they're going to walk Hudson through a demonstration of how they help kids find something that they can get excited about. So make sure you catch the next episode to hear that conversation. Okay, before we end this episode, is there anything else you want to add? Just that, you know, you are a good example, Hudson, of trying something out and I'm sure gave you confidence. And so I, that's really encouraging for other kids to hear. So I think that that is really where kids can just start, just try something. And it's fine, absolutely fine. After a while, you give it a, a good try, work with your parents on when is it time to try something else or to pivot and do something else. I think that's something that's really important for kids to know. Yeah. Where's the best place for people to find you? Parenttheirpassion.com. We even have a course for teens that starting at age 12. I mean, it can be younger than 12. Um, just don't wait till you're 21. <laughs> but that is for, we walk um, kids through helping them find a talent. Uh, we have a, a download in there that will suggest a lot of different interests in case people just think it's only going to be basketball and guitar, and those are my only two interests. But we show you how to, t to take a lot of different talents and then merge them into something that you can start working with. That's awesome. So you guys, make sure you go and check that out. Um, if you enjoy our podcast, we would love it if you would leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the easier it is for people to find us. Have a great week. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Hey guys, the Harrises have generously offered to provide a one hour how to find your passion early workshop for teens. So if you would like to take advantage of that, there is a link in the show notes. <laughs>